Sometimes, tonight we're thinking about the resurrection of Jesus. He rose. Um, you've been thinking um, through this gospel series. What a brilliant series, by the way. Um, I'm sure you've enjoyed and been challenged um, already over these weeks as you've got into this series. And tonight we're thinking about the resurrection of Jesus. You know, sometimes um, in life we hear stuff that's hard to believe, even if it's 100% true. YouTube, I don't know if any of you spend, you know, uh, long hours just flicking through YouTube and there are some uh, unbelievable stories and moments caught on camera. Um, if these moments weren't caught on camera and put on YouTube, nobody would believe any of those things ever, ever happened. You know, tonight as we think about the resurrection of Jesus, to many people in our world, it's just too unbelievable to be true that someone would rise from the dead. It just doesn't happen. To many people in your world and in my world, this just couldn't be true. In Luke chapter 24, um, we read of that moment when the woman are going to the tomb of Jesus. Jesus has been crucified. His body has been placed in the tomb. And the woman go there. Um, they had spices that they'd prepared um, and when they get there, they find that the stone had been um, rolled away. And inside, there was no body, no Jesus. Jesus wasn't there. And I think, unsurprisingly, the woman wonder what had just happened. And then we read that suddenly um, two men, most likely angels in clothes that gleamed like lightning, stood beside the woman. And they make the most amazing statement. And the statement that they make is this, and it's probably one of, if not the most gloriously triumphant statement ever made in this world. And they say, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. He is risen. He's not here. Jesus isn't here. He is risen. And the, the woman we read go back to the 11 apostles, the disciples, and they tell them the news. And in verse 11, it says this in Luke 24, but they did not believe the woman because their words seemed to them to be like nonsense. Just think about that. Nonsense. How could someone rise again from the dead? We read on to find Peter running for himself to see um, the, the empty tomb. But the fact remains that at that point, there is unbelief. The words of the woman seem to be like nonsense. D.A. Carson says this about the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. He says the cross and the resurrection tie together as the turning point of the ages on which all of history swings. The turning point of the ages, history's main event, the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Yet unbelief surrounds this hinge point moment in all of history. Some people just did not believe. It's the same today, isn't it? In your world, people don't believe what you profess to be true about Jesus. You know, in fact, it's interesting, I did a little bit of research and some people go even further than, than just not believing 
the, the resurrection of Jesus, and they come up with all kinds of alternative theories and um, you know, attempted explanations um, at what, what they believe may well have happened. So earliest attempts from the Jews, they didn't deny the empty tomb, but instead they claimed that the body of Jesus had been stolen, didn't rise from the dead. People went into the, the tomb and, and stole his body and, and, and took it away, and so therefore they can deny that the resurrection ever happened. Some people have argued that Jesus didn't in fact die, but instead he just passed out on the cross and appeared dead. He didn't actually die, he just passed out. You know, I was put in a tomb but got up and walked away later on, never actually died. Some Muslim writers and scholars insist that Jesus was not in fact the one crucified, but rather a brother or a, like a twin or another man who was a, like a lookalike of Jesus, honestly, like a stunt double, um, came and took Jesus' place on the cross. Whenever I was in um, Kenya a number of years ago with Tear Fund, we visited a little village, played a football match with some of the local um, young people that beat us um, in their bare feet, which was um, embarrassing for us. We thought we could play football, but these lads really could play football. But that night, two of the young people, aged 15, 16, came into the little compound where we were staying, and they told us this theory. They explained how they had been brought up to believe that, that, that Jesus didn't die on the cross. It was like a, a stunt double, a lookalike, someone in Jesus' place. So therefore, Jesus wasn't crucified. It was someone else. Jesus didn't die. He didn't rise again. And therefore, your Christian faith has no power. Other theories um, conclude that Jesus, like you'll not believe this one, but there are theories out there where, where people say that Jesus was actually drugged for three days, that, that he wasn't actually dead. The disciples were just having visions about this and wrote down some delusional you know, account of what um, they were seeing because they were kind of on another planet. Others say that Jesus used hypnosis. Imagine. Jesus using some kind of hypnosis to trick the disciples into thinking that he was dead. You know, I could stand tonight in front of you and provide all the evidence, reasons to prove that Jesus did rise. But you know what? It's a huge problem in our world. And the enemy of God, listen really clearly, the enemy of God, Satan, the accuser, he wants to blind you he wants to blind the eyes of people in our world so that people will not see or believe that Jesus did in fact die on the cross for the sins of this world and that he didn't actually rise again. You know, I thought about this just as I prepared for tonight. This is why this series that you're working through is so important. This gospel series, so important we live in a world where people just want to, to, to tear our faith apart, to deny the faith that we trust in and believe in. This series is so good. Looking at the doctrine, uh, the gospel, what it means to follow Jesus, to know him. You know, people in our world believe that all roads, some people believe that all roads lead to God, that all roads lead to heaven. No, they don't. No, they don't. We believe that there is one way. Isn't that right? One way, one life, one truth. His name is Jesus. 
you do realize that what you're hearing tonight, what you guys are hearing each week here at CE, you're hearing the only way. You're hearing about the only true truth and the only true life. And the way, the truth, and the life has a name. And his name is Jesus. We believe, don't we, that Jesus was born into the world, born of a virgin mother, that he lived a sinless life, a perfect, sinless life. He was the perfect, sinless, spotless lamb of God. We believe that he was the son of the most high God. We believe that he died on a cross in our place for our sin. We believe that he was buried in a cold, dark tomb. But we believe that three days later, he rose again, defeating Satan, sin, and death. That he didn't die again a second time. But we believe that Jesus ascended to the Father, where he's seated right now, exalted to the highest place, reigning and ruling over all things. We believe that he will return again to judge the living and the dead and to bring God's people with him forevermore. If Jesus had only died, if it only ended at your talk last week that Jesus was crucified, if that was the end of the story, then history would probably record that Jesus was a good man who, who gave his life. But that was it. But he rose. He rose from the grave. He defeated death. And you young people, everything hangs on believing this. Everything hangs on believing this. John Stott said this. He said, Christianity in its very essence is a resurrection religion. The concept of the resurrection lies at its heart. If you remove it, Christianity is destroyed. The resurrection lies at the very heart of the faith that we believe in. In the passage that was read a few moments ago in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul tells us in verses 13 to 17 that if Christ was not raised from the dead, then our preaching is useless, so I may as well sit back down again, Gilly. I'm done. If Jesus wasn't dead, I may just sit back down, go home. Preaching would be useless. Do you know, do you know what? I, I've given my life to this. Give my life to this. Every part of me. Give everything to this. See, if Jesus wasn't alive, if he didn't die on the cross and rise again for me, I wouldn't be here. I'd be doing something else. Preaching would be useless. Paul says that faith would be useless. He says that we would be false witnesses about God. Our faith would be futile. And he says even worse than that, we would still be dead in our sins. But the declaration of Luke 24, verse 6, stands true. Let me sound it out loud and clear again tonight, okay? I'm going to wake you up if you're half asleep. He is not here. He is risen. He's risen. He's alive. Jesus lives. Death is defeated. Satan, sin, death itself are defeated. You know, and if anyone knew what it, what it meant to be uh, to be alive or dead, it was Luke who recorded these events in Luke's gospel. Luke was a doctor. He was no fool. Luke understood what it meant for a human being to be dead or alive. He is not here. He is risen. So what does the resurrection mean? Um, to those of us who trust and believe, 
could, it means lots of things. Let me explain just three very quickly. Number one, we share in the resurrection of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul teaches how through Adam, who is of the dust of the earth, came sin and came death into the world. But then he goes on and he says, through Jesus, who is from heaven, comes resurrection and new life to those who believe. Think clearly about that tonight. Death comes to each of us through Adam. Life eternal comes to those who in faith repent and trust in Jesus and his death and resurrection. Romans 6 verse 5 says that we will be united with him in his resurrection because Jesus rose from death. We too, we share in his resurrection. Number two, we have the hope uh, and the promise of a resurrected body. 1 Corinthians 15, 42 to 44, Paul reveals to us the differences between the earthly body we now have and the splendor of the heavenly body that we will one day experience in all of its fullness. Just look at verses 42 and 44 uh, to 44 if you have your, your Bible in front of you. Paul says, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable, in other words, prone to decay in the flesh, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, Paul says, but it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, but it will be raised a spiritual body. This is really important because when Jesus returns again one day, we will experience our, our our final hope, a full-bodied, glorious resurrection existence in the new heavens and the new earth, the home of righteousness, the eternal city of God. We will have a new, a brand new, perfect body. Do you understand that? You know, I don't know what you hate about your body. Right now, I've got two mangled shoulders um, from, from years of <clears throat> playing rugby and trying to, trying to tackle people who were far too big to try to tackle the way I was trying to tackle them. My shoulders are racked, pins in this one, this one needs fixed too. My neck hurts, sometimes the ankles are sore getting out of bed in the morning. It's really bad, isn't it, at my age? I find it hard to stay in shape. The six pack quickly became a five, four, three, two, one fat pack, as my kids like to tell me. It's not good. The old body decays. Your body's wasting away. But in my resurrected body, there will be no more pain, no more decay, no more aging, no more illness, no more anxiety. And I, I, I reckon in a room like this, some of you are experiencing really bad, crippling anxiety, no more cancer. No more tears. No more heartache. I'll bury the third person in the space of about eight days on Tuesday. People die. Illness is everywhere. In the resurrected body, it'll all be gone. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we have the greatest hope and the greatest promise ever. Today we bear likeness to Adam as earthly people. We still sin. We, we still struggle. We hurt. 
We sometimes disobey our parents, God. We make mistakes. We question things. But those who are truly in Christ, we will one day be like him, the man from heaven. We will be raised. We will have the hope and the promise of a resurrected body. Thirdly, death will be swallowed up in victory. Christ triumphed over sin and death. New City Catechism, really good, puts it this way. Christ triumphed over sin and death by being physically resurrected so that all who trust are raised to new life in this world and everlasting life in the age to come. New life in this world and everlasting life in the age to come. With the declaration of those words, he is not here, he has risen, comes the absolute assurance that the enemy has been defeated and death could not, did not, will not ever hold Jesus down. 1 Corinthians 15 again, 54 to 57. Paul writes, death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But Paul says, thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Come on. Isn't that so good? Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Jesus has achieved for us the victory over it all, over Satan, our great enemy, over sin itself and death as well. Jesus has achieved the victory. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Because of the resurrection, death is no sting. You know what? I can stand here tonight and say, I do not fear death. I don't wonder anymore about what awaits me when I die. I don't know how you feel about that tonight. I believe John 11, where Jesus speaking to Martha says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then Jesus puts the question out, do you believe this? Do you believe this? That even though we die in these bodies, even in Christ, we shall live again. A number of years ago, I had a good friend of ours who lived behind us. I ended up working in the church where she was a member, and we quickly discovered that this lady was very ill, very ill with cancer in her early 40s. Lovely, gracious, godly woman. And over the course of three years, we watched her get better, then to go back into illness, up and down, and then she just plummeted with the cancer and she, she ended up in hospital and we looked after our kids a little bit through it all and I went to see her the night before she died and she had a mask over her mouth she could hardly breathe but she looked at me and with tears in her eyes she took the mask down and she said Stuart Jesus has never been closer to me than he is right now, in this moment. The next morning she passed away and went to glory, went to be with Jesus. Jesus was cl closer than he had ever been before because she was getting closer to being with him. You young people, listen. There's a peace that comes 
deep peace that comes through trusting in Christ. If you don't have that peace, if you haven't yet trusted in Christ, in his death, that he gave his life for you, that he took upon himself all of your sinfulness, that he took it to the cross, that he put it to death, that he rose again to defeat Satan's sin and death for you. If you haven't trusted in that, you don't have that peace. You don't have that assurance. You you may well still fear death. Its sting is still there because the sting of death is sin. We need it removed. We need it taken from us and only Jesus can do that. If you've been listening tonight but in previous weeks and you're not a Christian and God is working in your heart and you sense God speaking to you tonight, don't waste another second. You speak to one of your leaders. You speak to them. You ask them what you need to do to come to saving faith in Jesus and you receive new life here on earth and eternal life in the age to come and the peace that comes with that. The resurrection of Jesus means that he's alive right now. I'm going to close with this. It changes everything. Let me mention just three things um, as we close. I hope this isn't too much to take in. Um, Honestly, what an exciting topic. I could have talked all night about this. Let me say just three things as we close. Prayer. Because Jesus is alive, he hears our prayers. He hears you when you pray. He intercedes for us before the Father. I wonder, Christian, tonight, does your prayer life reflect that? When you pray, does your prayer life reflect the the reality that he lives, that he's alive, that he, he intercedes before God on your behalf? When you speak with God, understand that Jesus is alive. He hears and he brings your prayers right before the Father. Worship. The fact that Jesus is alive today should drive us to worship him with our whole lives. To know that he's alive is to know that he walks with you everywhere you go. Because he's alive, he he lives in you. He walks with you. He goes with you into every sphere, every place of your life. Because he lives, our lives should reflect his life. Our lives should be visibly about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. For us to live should be Jesus because we live out his good news every day, everywhere we go. And when we gather like this, when we gather to worship him corporately together like this, it should reflect the reality that we worship a risen king, a risen, ruling, reigning king. He's alive and he's here. He's with us. He's not dead. He's alive. I wonder, can you sense it? Can you? He's here. He's alive. He's reigning. He's present. He's among us. It's a wonderful thing. Jesus is alive. And then service. Finally, the fact that Jesus is alive should drive us to serve him. Knowing that his spirit empowers and enables us to work for him in ways that we never thought possible. Do you know I never, I had a fear of public speaking. 
grown up. Pe- people in uh, my church don't believe that, I don't think. But honestly, when I was your age, I feared. I feared. Like, I was one of those people who hyperventilated when I got in front of people. It was that bad. Never thought God would do what he's done in my life. I, I-, I do believe I'm a walking miracle. Miracle of grace. What God can do in someone's life. He empowers us, enables us to serve him because he is alive. God saved us by grace through faith in Jesus and has raised us up with Christ that we might serve him in this world as his hands and his feet. So Jesus rose from the dead, rose from the grave. The enemy has been defeated. Death couldn't hold Jesus down. Live your life in light of this. Can I pray for you? This is um, really encouraging me, seeing you all here, listening to the word of God. Um, let me just pray and, and we'll commit um, God's word to our hearts um, that, that, that God would do what he alone can do. Let's, let's take a moment to pray. Father, we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you that Jesus has defeated Satan, sin, and death itself. We thank you that he rose again that the tomb was gloriously empty. He was not there. He is risen. He is alive. And Father, we thank you that that the gospel lives in the hearts of those who have trusted in Jesus. Father, we pray that anyone tonight who hears you speaking into their hearts and has yet not trusted in Christ for salvation, Father, that you would give them the courage to speak to someone to do something about that tonight. For those who, are, uh, who belong to your family, Father, encourage us. As your people, encourage us. Father, we pray that we would understand that because he lives, we too live with him. We too will be resurrected with him. We have eternal life to look forward to, a new life here on earth. Father, we thank you that the old is gone and the new has come. We thank you for the wonderful work of salvation in our hearts. May we love you, Father. May we serve you. May we worship you in spirit and in truth. And enable us to do that now, we pray. In Jesus' great name. Amen.